welcome to the 40th anniversary of the March on Washington. Let me say it clear, homophobia is a form of fear and hatred that has no place in the beloved community. The right wing repeatedly drive wedges into the heart of America and into the beloved community. The government has to treat all citizens equally. Uh, I come from that in part out of personal experience. Uh, when you're a black guy named Barack Obama, you know what it's like to be on the outside. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Just regulators move against trans women, March on Washington dreams continue, and recalling Barack Obama's early support for queer rights. All that and more this week now that you've discovered This Way Out. I'm Melanie Keller. And I'm David Hunt. With Newswrap a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending August 19, 2023. Really? Chess? The National Center for Transgender Equality led a chorus of shocked queer and human rights groups in response to a new policy from the International Chess Federation. It will at least temporarily prevent transgender women from playing against cisgender women. Global competitive chess regulator FIDE's August 14th announcement says trans women have no right to compete in federation events for women until further decisions are made based on further analysis. Trans women will still be able to play in the open section of FIDE tournaments. Members at the regulating council meeting gave themselves no longer than within a two-year period to settle on a permanent policy. For now, FIDE is joining a wave of other international sports governors that have banned or restricted participation by trans women, including Women's World Aquatics, World Cycling, and Track and Field's World Athletics. The National Center for Transgender Equality called the move so insulting to cis women, to trans women, and to the game itself. It assumes that cis women couldn't be competitive against cis men and relies on ignorant anti-trans ideas. A trans woman who was not excluded from competition made history in Mexico this week. In an adaptation of the U.S. TV show Celebrity Big Brother, Wendy Guevara won season one of La Casa de los Famosos Mexico. More than 18.2 million fan votes made the 29-year-old social media influencer the country's first transgender woman to win a reality TV series. Well-known personalities showed up among the hundreds of social media posts celebrating the high-profile advance in human dignity for Mexico's often-embattled transgender community. Guevara prevailed over a Peruvian actor and TV host, a Mexican entrepreneur-influencer, and a Mexican actor-politician. It began with a group of 14 celebrities living in a house together for 10 weeks, competing in a series of challenges. Viewers of the highly-rated show voted out at least one participant every week. Guevara came into the show as an LGBTQ Instagram video star with close to 6 million followers. Last year, she attracted more than a million YouTube views and almost 600,000 streams on Spotify with her first single, Putsi. 
She garnered the TV audience's devotion with her bubbling personality and her hot dog eating prowess. Two Berlin monuments to victims of the Holocaust were vandalized this week, one of them specifically dedicated to queer people murdered by the Nazis during World War II. Police officials say that a man was seen papering the monument with slips of paper containing Hebrew scripture verses condemning same-gender sex. A park security guard chased off the suspect as he tried unsuccessfully to set fire to it. A second arson attack took place at the Platform 17 Memorial, which honors Jewish prisoners who were sent to die in concentration camps from the Grunewald train station. That fire destroyed a free library exchange box containing books on the Nazis' persecution of the Jews. Neither monument suffered any permanent damage. Located at the edge of the German capital city's popular Tiergarten Park, the memorial to persecuted homosexuals under National Socialism was unveiled in 2008. A cube with a window insert shows a video of a gay male couple kissing. The attack on it is seen as part of a worrisome recent uptick in anti-queer incidents in Germany. The Berlin-Brandenburg Lesbian and Gay Association condemned both attacks and expressed the hope that the perpetrator or perpetrators would be caught quickly. Florida may be in for a major family migration as parents consider escaping the don't-say-gay state. A survey by the Queer Research and Advocacy Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law, finds that 40% of responding parents have thought about leaving since the passage of the Parental Rights in Education Act. 11% said they were very likely to leave the state in the next two years. That's just fine with Florida Republican Party Chair Christian Ziegler. He told the right-wing Washington Examiner, if a Democrat voter is passionate and perverted enough to support the sexualization of kids during school in grades as early as kindergarten, then I would agree that Florida is probably not the best fit for them. Ziegler cited no source for his assertion that over 60% of voters support the actual language in the law, including 55% of Democrats. According to the Williams Institute study, only 29% of Democratic parents supported it. Ziegler and the Florida Republicans have marched in lockstep with Governor Ron DeSantis and his whole agenda to restrain the rights of queer young people, especially transgender young people. Their war on the queer has prompted national advocacy groups to caution LGBTQ travelers about visiting the state. The U.S. Education Department's Office of Civil Rights has failed a test presented by LGBTQ students and alumni of Baylor University in Waco, Texas. In late July, Baylor's religious exemption from federal education laws forbidding discrimination based on sex was affirmed. Those anti-queer discrimination laws were the basis of the complaints filed in 2021 with the Department of Education. Students charged that they faced harassment and bias from fellow students without repercussion at the conservative Baptist-run school. Baylor's denial of a charter to the LGBTQ student group Gamma Alpha Upsilon and alleged pressure on university media to minimize coverage of LGBTQ issues and events was also mentioned. The university cited its rights under federal laws and the Constitution to conduct its affairs in a manner consistent with its religious beliefs, which excludes same-gender sex and relationships. Veronica Bonifacio Penales is one of the disappointed complainants. She told the media, 
I am saddened by Baylor's lack of integrity and accountability to their students. Paul Carlos Southwick is the director of the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, an advocacy group that filed the complaint on behalf of Penales. He noted that no other religious-affiliated university in the country has requested such an exemption. The Biden administration and the federal courts have previously interpreted discrimination based on sex to extend sexual orientation and gender identity. Seeing Baylor's exemption granted by a governmental agency tasked with protecting civil rights was especially discouraging to Elizabeth Reiner Platt, director of the Law, Rights, and Religion Project at Columbia Law School. She told the Texas Tribune, this decision is the latest example of religious exemptions being expanded in ways that undermine equality rights and, ultimately, harm religious communities. Finally, a judicial watchdog group has stepped in to stop a Texas judge from sending corporate lawyers to a certifiably anti-queer legal hate group for religious liberty training. The small nonpartisan group Fix the Court generally focuses on the U.S. Supreme Court, but on August 15th, it filed a judicial misconduct petition with the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans against U.S. District Court Judge Brantley Starr. Starr's edict came after a jury had already found that Southwest Airlines had violated the religious rights of one of its pro-life flight attendants. The company was to make a statement to its employees affirming that they would not be discriminated against because of their religious beliefs. The judge ordered Southwest's lawyers to take the religious liberty training from the Alliance Defending Freedom because of a slight variation in the statement's wording. Fix the Court called the Trump-appointed federal judge's order not reasonable in its filing and insisted that a judge should perform the duties of the office fairly, impartially, and diligently. It asked that Starr be admonished by the Judicial Council and should be compelled not to assign such a strange and unprecedented penalty again. Southwest is appealing both the verdict and Starr's religious liberty training order. Fix the Court Executive Director Gay Broth said that ethics training of some sort would not have been out of bounds. However, he pointed to the Alliance Defending Freedom's anti-queer, anti-woman legal filings and argued that such training should never be assigned to a group clearly tied to a particular faith. Roth said that Starr's order sets a dangerous precedent, and he deserves sanctions himself for this awful judgment call. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude, for the week ending August 19, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy. And I'm David Hunt. Stay safe. Hi, this is Greg Luganis, and you're listening to This Way Out. listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to this program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank, Thank you. you.
Organizers are calling the August 26th event this year a continuation rather than a commemoration of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Sixty years later, the family of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and justice activists from a full spectrum of marginalized communities will return to the Lincoln Memorial. It's not the first time that the anniversary of the historic demonstration finds a right-wing political backlash threatening the movement toward true democracy in the United States. That's how it was under the Bush administration in 2003, when This Way Out's Lucia Chappelle reported on the 40th anniversary. to the 40th anniversary of the March on Washington. Thousands gathered in front of the Lincoln Memorial in the U.S. Capitol August 24th to mark the 40th anniversary of the historic 1963 March on Washington with a return to the still all-too-timely call for jobs, peace, and freedom. The familiar refrains of the early civil rights movement and the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s image of a beloved community collaborating for mutual support and social progress were fondly recalled, but the event also demonstrated an evolution in consciousness about the diversity included in that community. In the words of Southern Christian Leadership Conference President Martin Luther King III, We are here because our lesbian and gay sisters and brothers are still being subjected to persecution, discrimination, and violence because of their sexual orientation. Let me, let me state it clearly, let me state it clearly, homophobia is a form of fear and hatred that has no place in the beloved community. Previous March anniversary organizers have not been so ready to acknowledge the role of lesbians and gays in the beloved community. African-American lesbian author Audra Lorde only made the 1983 speakers list after pressure from black queer activists, and a similar lobbying effort was necessary to bring National Black Gay and Lesbian Leadership Forum founder Phil Wilson to the stage in 1993. Ironically, the forum was in the process of ceasing its operations when this year's March anniversary organizers determined for the first time to actually invite the participation of a representative from the gay, lesbian, bi, trans community. So rather than an African-American, that privilege went to National Gay and Lesbian Task Force Executive Director Matt Foreman. The task force also sponsored activities during the weekend honoring the original March on Washington organizer, openly gay Bayard Rustin. Foreman praised Rustin's work, then made a compelling argument linking the rally's emphasis on empowerment through electoral politics to the anti-gay backlash expected in the 2004 campaign. On behalf of an incredibly diverse gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered community, I thank you for inviting us to be here today and in the words of Dr. King, to walk with you on the road to peace, jobs, and freedom. It's an incredible honor and privilege for me to stand here. 
I'd like to start by lifting up, along with Dr. King, the life and memory of Bayard Rustin, yeah. an unsung hero, a dear friend of Dr. King, the principal architect of the 1963 march, and a gay African-American man. We also thank and honor Coretta Scott King, who for years and years has spoken out loudly for equal rights for gay people. And we lift up with gratitude the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, who again and again have voted against legislation that seeks to harm our community. Let's put something on the table right now. There are differences among the beloved community, but that's because we are people of conviction. And what we agree on so far outweighs what we disagree on. We agree. We agree that all discrimination is wrong, that everyone deserves full equality under the law. We agree that hate violence still stains America. And I note with sadness that just one week ago, right here in our nation's capital, Baya Evangelista, a transgendered woman, was murdered simply because of who she was. We agree that centuries of legal racial oppression can only be overcome through forceful and affirmative action. I could go on and on, but the proof of our solidarity is in what our communities do when they vote. Time and again, exit polls show that the Democratic Party's most loyal supporters are African Americans and gay, lesbian, and bisexual people. There is another thing we all here agree on, and that is the hard-won progress that we've made over the last 40 years in civil rights and economic justice is in mortal danger. But let's be clear. This administration right over there is in power. And this Congress majority is in power. And the right wing is in ascendancy not because it's what most Americans want inflicted on this nation. No survey anywhere shows that. No, this minority is in power because they know how to set aside their differences. They turn out to vote, and they repeatedly and successfully drive wedges into the heart of America and into the beloved community. Over and over and over again, we have witnessed their vicious, dehumanizing, demonizing tactics, shamelessly exploiting race, immigrants, choice, poor women, and the list goes on. Through this, they convinced even ourselves and other Americans that we are the enemy. They fracture us, they win. And mark my words, they are already geared up to make gay people and our relationships the Willie Hortons of the 2004 election cycle. This time, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered Americans will be their chosen prey to divert the nation's attention from the mess they've made here at home and abroad.
To all of this evil over so many years, all of us need to join together collectively and say enough. Dr. King spoke with a fierce urgency of now, and he said we are all tied together in a single garment of destiny, an inescapable network of mutuality. Urgently, then, let us all together put on that garment that we all share and keep it on and walk proudly together and defeat our common enemies. Thank you. That was National Gay and Lesbian Task Force Executive Director Matt Foreman speaking at the rally commemorating the 40th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington. For This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappell. Hello, I'm Barney Frank, and you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities. If we want hope to survive in this world today, then every day we've got to work on, work on. If we want hope to survive in this world today, then every day we've got to work on. The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states, red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them, too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states, and we don't like federal agents poking around in our libraries in the red states. We coach Little League in the blue states, and yes, we've got some gay friends in the red states. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the Stars and Stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. Four U.S. presidential cycles ago, a young Illinois state senator burst onto the scene at the 2004 Democratic National Convention. The next time the party met, it selected U.S. Senator Barack Obama as its nominee for the White House. One of Obama's first stops on the road to his 2008 convention victory was a nationally televised Democratic presidential forum presented by the Queer Advocacy Human Rights Campaign. The candidate was questioned by Washington Post columnist Jonathan Capehart and HRC Executive Director Joe Solonese. Senator, you have said in previous debates that uh, it is up to individual religious denominations to decide whether or not to recognize same-sex marriage. And so my question is, what place does the church have in government-sanctioned civil marriages? Well, uh, it, it, it is my strong belief that the government has to treat all citizens equally. Uh, I come from that in part out of personal experience. Uh, when you're a black guy named Barack Obama, you know what it's like to be on the outside. Uh, and so my concern is continually to make sure that the rights that are conferred by the state uh, are equal for all people. Uh, that's why I opposed DOMA in 2006 when I ran for uh, the United States Senate. That's why 
uh, that's why I'm a strong supporter, uh, not of a weak version of civil unions, but of a strong version in which uh, the rights that are conferred at the federal level uh, to uh, persons of, you know, who are part of a same-sex union uh, are compatible. Now, uh, as a consequence, I don't think that the church should be making uh, these determinations uh, when it comes to legal rights uh, conferred by the state. My view is that we should try to disentangle what has historically been uh, the issue uh, of the word marriage, which has religious connotations to some people, from the civil rights that are given to couples. Jonathan Capehart of the Washington Post. You've gotten some praise for taking to the pulpits of black churches and telling the black community, talking to the black community about its responsibilities. Um, now, you and I both know that there's a homophobia problem in the black community. So how are you going to talk to the black community about that, both as candidate and if you are elected to the White House as president? Uh, you know, I, I have already done so. I'm somebody who talks about LGBT issues, not just before HRC. Uh, you know, I, I was with Harold Ford. He organized a forum of black ministers in Tennessee. And I specifically talked about the the, the degree to which the notion of gay marriage in black churches has been used to divide, uh, has been used to distract. I specifically pointed out that uh, if there's any pastor here who can point out uh, a marriage that has been broken up as a consequence of seeing two men or two women holding hands, then we, you should tell me because I haven't seen any evidence of it. And what I've also said is if, if you think that issue is more important to the, the black family, which is under siege, if you think that's more important than the fact that black men don't have any jobs uh, and are struggling uh, in the inner cities, uh, then I profoundly disagree with you. Senator, real, real quickly, a recent poll uh, from the New York Times and MTV of Americans ages 17 to 20 show that 44% of them favor same-sex marriage compared to 28% of the public. Now, you're running as a, as a candidate of change, but how can you run as a candidate of change when your stance on same-sex marriage is decidedly old school? Oh, come on now. I mean, look, guys, you know, the, uh, I mean, we, we, we can have this conversation for, uh, you know, the duration of, of the 15 minutes, uh, but there's a reason why I was here first. Uh, it's because I've got a track record of working on these issues. This has been the cause of my life uh, and will continue to be the cause of my life, making sure that everybody's treated fairly and that we've got an expansive view of America where everybody's invited in uh, and we are all working together uh, to create the kind of America that we want for the next generation. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to Senator Barack Obama's comments during his appearance at the Human Rights Campaign's Democratic Presidential Forum last August. LGBT activists have been cheering Obama's choice of Delaware's longtime U.S. Senator Joe Biden as his running mate. Thanks for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by Melanie Keller and David Hunt and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our correspondent was Lucia Chappelle. 
Sticks, Barbara Streisand, the Morehouse College Glee Club, and Sweet Honey in the Rock performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed Greg theme music. This way, I thank Margaret Roberts and Richard Merck and Brad Payton from Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. We hope you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucy Trapel and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on WHYR, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to RRR, Gradesville, New South Wales, KUR, Cutstown, Pennsylvania, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned. Ah.